Hey everyone, and welcome to another exciting episode of Battle of the Atom. This is your weekly X-Men podcast where we rank every story from A to Z, except for not this week, because this week uh, we've got a guest. I'm Zach, by the way. Uh, You probably know this if you listen to this podcast, which I assume you have previously. Uh, Adam's not here this week. He has a cold, but instead we have a great guest for you. She is the assistant editor over on the X-Books right now. Uh, Previous work includes House of X, Powers of Ten, X-Men, a bunch of stuff that's going on, including the upcoming Ten of Swords. It's Annalise Bissa. Annalise, how are you doing today? (laughs) I'm doing well. How are you? Uh, Besides having to do like three takes on your name, I am doing all right. I answer to it. Nothing else really sounds like my name, so I generally know when people are talking to me, so no worries. No, that's good. Uh, we're real excited to have you on. I know uh, you've been a key, but maybe underrecognized part of the X Men. Let's call it Renaissance of the last year or so. Uh, and we definitely want to get your vibe on things. We want to get your feel for you know what's going on. I appreciate that. I, I mean, I don't know that I'm underrecognized. I think I'm probably recognized just about enough. But uh, it's great to be here, and I'm happy to be talking to you. So let's let's start for people who may not know. Uh, what what's your background uh, with comics, with uh, being an editor, and then how did you get up get your start in Marvel? You've been there what about three years now? Yeah, it'll be three years in October. So okay. getting there. Um, so I have been a comics fan since I was a kid. Um, I was an X Men child, so <laughs> uh, I'm I'm right where I'd like to be in terms of you know what I'm working on. Uh, But yeah, so I was an editorial intern at Marvel in college. Um, And then after I did that a whole bunch, um, when I graduated, after a little while, I ended up, uh, when there was a role open, interviewing for it. And I've been at Marvel, like like you said, for about three years. Um, Sort of the other thing, and then I've been working on X-Men for around two years. Um, And then beyond that, the other thing that I do that people may or may not know is that I co-run the editorial intern program with Lauren Amaro. So I'm, you know, molding the minds of tomorrow as it were, but yeah, so that's, that's another part of my job. So assistant editor, that's a, uh, that's a role that I, you know, you said you get enough credit I'd, I'd say that a lot of people, myself included, probably don't fully understand what that role is. So uh, what what's a little bit of your like day-to-day like? Sure. Um, so assistant editor, I think part of the reason that people don't necessarily know what it entails is it can be a huge range of things. Assistant editors at any given time can be like having a pretty small impact on a book dependent on, you know, a million different factors or, you know, sometimes assistant editors are full editors on, on books and are just sort of supervised by their senior editor. So that's maybe part of the concern, but um, yeah. So assistant editors generally support a senior editor in running, you know, a set of books or a line. So I work with Jordan D white Um and like again you know to be wildly generalizing here um you know he and i make sure that the books go to print on time uh so i might be more on the side of uh you know making sure that the like record keeping is perfect Mm -hmm. on the book so like you know how many pages of every book do we have at any given time right like that's information that kind of lives with me so that I can report that accurately to Jordan and to the folks that get people paid and all of that. Um, I generally am in charge of like all things reference. So if somebody's costume is colored wrong in the X-Men books, for the most part, you can yell at me for it. Um, 
you, you really, so, you really want to invite that. You, you really want X-Men fans to yell at you because I know they will is the thing. Listen, I know they will too. I've been working on the X-Men books for two years. Um, it's fine. It's part of the job. I love it. But uh, uh, yeah, so, you know, I am basically on a, most of the emails Jordan's on as far as I'm aware. Um, and so, you know, we'll get pages in. We'll both look at them. You know, I have just as much right as anybody to say, you know, hey, this thing, the script didn't really sit right with me, or I spotted this thing that maybe doesn't match up with something we've said previously, or, you know, this is drawn in a way that I don't think, you know, really tracks, or it's confusing to me as a reader. Um, you know, if somebody, if Jordan comes along and is like, yeah, that doesn't matter, that's going to overrule me. But, um, you know, so I have both a lot of say and not a ton of say on the actual physical books. Um, pretty much just making sure that everything keeps running. I help out with schedules a lot and making sure that everybody knows when we're expecting their work to come in, uh, making sure that everybody, you know, has everything that they need in terms of, you know, if a colorist needs inks, any of that kind of stuff, you know, making sure that just everybody is where they need to be at all given times um, and being another set of eyes on everything so that it's not just, you know, just Jordan or just the writer or any of the artists looking at things. No, that's, that's, uh, that's interesting. I know one of the things that, you know, people tend to talk about comics, I think, as a, you know, a monolith of like one creator's run. Like in this case, and nothing, nothing against uh, Jonathan Hickman, but you know, everyone's been calling all of this stuff Hickman's X Men, which you know he has that fancy head of X title and all that stuff. But you know, I know there are, you know, tons, tens and tens of people who are doing this every day as a big collaborative uh, effort. And the way that it's it's always come across is that you know this is more collaborative than I think some other you know, comics projects might be, you know, where you have not necessarily every book all connected, but there's, there's a lot of through lines, a lot of connective tissue going uh, into the X line right now. Is there uh, any unique challenge that comes from trying to manage that on top of just the day-to-day -day of getting the books out? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think when you have everything as interconnected as it is right now, um, you have a higher percent chance of, sort of screwing things up from one to another, uh, which is great because it makes the stakes higher, which is good for us. But um, yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, it's always collaborative and I don't want to take anything away from anything else I've worked on by saying that this is more collaborative. It's just different um, in terms of the whole line sort of operating as a unit instead of books sort of playing in the same sandbox things tend to be more like directly touching and they need to support one another. I'm not sure if that's a distinction that makes a lot of sense, but it definitely makes sense to me. And I'm sure, I'm sure for the people who are listening, it'll uh, make sense as well. Uh, Cause you know, these books have a lot going on. I know uh, when uh, I believe when Leah was on a couple of weeks ago, she was mentioning how, you know, just little things like when uh, Betsy gives Rachel the little baby Warwolf. uh, and Leah had chosen a name in X Factor. Teeny actually went back into the scripts and changed her uh, you know, last dialogue pass so that line, that amazing baby, was in there right at the start. And you know, there's all those little nuggets in between that everyone's working on, from what I'm hearing. Yeah. So usually, I think that's a situation where, in most lines, editorial would be the ones working on every single book. So they would see those things and maybe say like, Hey, actually I see the opportunity for some fun connective tissue between this book and that book. Um, with the way that the X line runs right now and the amount of insight into each other's projects that the writers have particularly and the artists as well, they're just more aware of the book, any given book from a earlier point in their like work cycle in the life of the book. And so you have more opportunities to say like, oh, you're going to be doing that thing in September. Well, I have a book in September that I'm working on. And wouldn't it be funny if we seeded this there? And so just with, from a standpoint of everybody being more connected, you get to have more of those fun moments. 
Oh, that's a uh, that's good. It's a lot of a lot of exciting stuff that's happening in these, uh, and definitely sounds like some challenges, uh, especially when you're doing something you know pretty big. About a year ago, House of X: Powers of Ten launched, which was, I'd probably say like the biggest moment or event that I've seen since I've been reading comics. Now comics. Now I'm biased being an X Men guy, uh, but it felt like everyone was reading it everyone was there and everyone was watching such a big paradigm shift happen uh in this line of books that you know would ripple out through a, diff- a lot of different things were there any unique challenges editing a book or series of books like that that was so much bigger than you know even just a you know line-wide event comic or something like that yeah um i think i've talked a little bit before like elsewhere i couldn't tell you where about the way that the uh the fact that we kept everything so secret leading up to it was both really exciting and i think helped people get super jazzed for the books but also that's really not necessarily somewhere that we're always comfortable being uh in terms of you know just un- you know giving people an understanding of the product that they're investing in um, and what they're going to get from the book when you just say, like, trust us, it's going to be big. That's a certain amount of risk that you're asking your reader to to take on. So that was kind of a crazy thing because everybody at Marvel knew we were doing something big and folks wanted to get the word out and to help us in publishing do the biggest thing possible, which generally would involve, like, a lot of like media push and giving previews here and there and telling people little teases about what will be in the book. And we were pretty darn locked down in oh, terms I of- Oh, I remember that. Yeah, right. I'm sure, I'm sure you recall it with such fondness. Um, but like, I know from my standpoint, I was terrified that I was going to send the wrong, there were like maybe three or four pages of color, like fully colored pages that we had released as previews. And we were, you know, like, I think one was Jean stepping through the gate on Krakoa next to, like, the huge waterfall. Right. Um, but I was so scared that I, I would have some kind of interaction with someone where I would include the wrong page and send something that we absolutely weren't going to reveal and I was going to ruin the whole thing. So, like, that's a, a, a challenge that kind of doesn't exist anymore. Um, other than that, largely, like... In terms of workflow changes, just having data pages is something that didn't really exist in any of the books that I'd ever worked on. So that's been kind of interesting. And then from the standpoint of a new paradigm for the X-Men, like, you know, there's literally a new language. And so people would say, like, hey, you know can we have the Krakoan language files? Like, what is what is this? What does this mean? Or explaining to people a million times that, you know, mutants can be resurrected now and just getting to a point where enough people at Marvel and out in the world, like, understood what we were doing without spoiling it. And then even once the books were out there, explaining, like, okay, so the X-Men don't really look like they did in the movies. The X-Men don't look like they did in any of the TV shows or in any of the comics, you know, prior to a couple months ago, just kind of getting everybody onto that page was kind of nerve wracking, but has been incredibly exciting. And, you know, I have a million different reference folders of Krakoan infrastructure and what does it mean to draw something that looks Krakoan these days? Um, So just, you know, bringing people into that world has been um, difficult, but, really rewarding and super fun no that's uh that's exciting i know there was a lot of hype being built for that and definitely a lot of secrecy going through it but i mean in in my mind it paid off and if i play armchair analyst here the the book kept get getting reprints for those first couple of issues and those last few for that kept selling so something seems like it went right yeah i uh those were some some fun Wednesdays when, you know, you'd come into the office and it'd be like, okay, what are people, how are people feeling? Or people would drop by the office. When we started like passing out copies to people or sending 
copies to folks, you know, within the Marvel bubble who weren't actually working on the books. And right. they would come into the office and say, like, hey, I read uh, House of X number one. That comic's insane. That <laughs> this this is like that, that's good. You guys have got something there. And it's like, okay, well, that's one more person who liked it. Okay. You know, proof of concept. For, and then eventually when the book came out, it was like, okay, this is this might be a good thing. I, I mean, I think the vast majority of people would agree. I hope uh, so. <laughs> now, uh, one of the things that has come out of this is a, you know, like you were talking, a bigger sense of community uh, with the writers uh, and artists and the creative teams on all these books. Uh, one of the things that has popped up a lot is, you know, all of these X-Men summits or line-wide calls, either, you know, pre-pandemic in person or during uh, during the whole COVID times over you know, a Zoom equivalent or what have you. Uh, so how do you wrangle that many people with that many ideas into one streamlined group in organization and actually accomplish anything? Well, I mean, so I'm lucky because I would say largely a lot of that trouble falls to Jordan. So that's part of it is I don't have to, which is great. Um, I think largely the answer is that it's just a great group of people who work really well together um, and that everybody is excited to be where they are and wants to be working on the things that they're working on. Um, you know, the writers are great. The artists are great. The color artists are great. Um, in terms of, you know, the X Slack or the X summits, that's, you know, mostly the writer group. And everybody just is super engaged in it. And with it being a like a smaller group, you can have a little bit of a looser energy to it because you don't run the risk of like 40 people running around and, you know, breaking off into like factions or whatever. It's just okay, you've got this like pretty small group, everybody's kind of on the same page about, you know, what direction we're heading in. So it hasn't, I mean, in my experience, been inordinately difficult. Probably the hardest thing is just making sure that when somebody decides that they want to do something, we keep everyone in the loop. Everybody ratifies it, you know, across books. Everybody, you know, enjoys throwing ideas at each other, but making sure that, you know, whoever had something thrown at them is comfortable um, incorporating that into their book or going down that road. And it's not just people sort of like complicating each other's lives for no reason. But I, I mean, like, like pretty much everything about editing comics, it's just a matter of communicating with people all the time and making sure that you're working with people who are going to communicate effectively back to you. I think that might be like kind of a, a cheesy answer, but it is unfortunately the truth. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes that's the most important thing. Uh, so you have you have this whole new world. You have this new Krakoan status quo that's going on uh, that you've been involved with since pretty early on. What would you say is personally, as you know, editor, fan? anything your favorite new aspect of you know this wide world of x-men that we now live in i think it's probably like the breadth of it um and how as a fan and as an editor i just i see so many options and opportunities which i think is part of why it's had as good of a fan reaction as it has is there are so many questions still to be explored about you know what is Krakoa what does it mean to be Krakoan what does it mean to be a mutant right now you know how do things actually work and we've seen a lot of the underpinnings um you know in the last year of comics but by no means have we seen anything or or not anything everything we have seen things um you know by no means have we seen everything and like it doesn't sort of feel like you could just go and go and go and keep finding new little pockets of the world to explore, which again, as a fan and an editor is incredibly exciting. That's, uh, that's good. I know there's been a lot of people doing a lot of, tr 
a lot of archaeology work trying to uncover all these new pockets, you know, just the ones that have been revealed and trying to see, well, what could this mean? What could this mean? Uh, and then looking forward to some of the stuff that's coming. I know, you know, the two books that were pre-pandemic, at least still like on the radar to we've got to come out is X Factor, which was looking at the resurrection side of things and how all that works, which has been fascinating. And then, you know, the we've been promised it's coming at some point. We promise uh, Children of the Atom that's looking at the, uh, you know, people who were inspired by X-Men in one way or another, that next generation sidekick kind of thing. So, I mean, to me, those are those are two ideas that haven't been done before. And it's interesting to see that, you know, looking forward in the line and how that yeah, might I play mean, out. It's, it just feels like a, a, like a set of, I mean, rules isn't exactly the right word, but like, it, it's just, it's, it's like a set up pretty much. And you just go, okay, well, what if we dropped in this character to this situation? How would they react? And you just, you get all these really fascinating different pieces coming together and you know you go okay well if people have to come back to life then somebody's gonna have to figure out who goes first right and like you just get to like build all these scenarios and yeah like i said i think that's what makes it fun and makes people say oh there's gonna be a book about the x-men sidekicks well what's that i want that i want to know what that is you know all right look there's a lot of people who do want to know what that is and you guys are just putting us on the hook waiting for it but i'm 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 sure it'll be great when it finally does hit it will <laughs> now now speaking of speaking of that there's obviously a global pandemic going on that has completely shaken up everything uh the comic book industry has been hit pretty hard with some of this stuff has that put any specific challenges on you as an editor as someone who you know, normally lives for this is the set time that I need my pages, that I need to get the book printed, that I need to get it shipped, all that stuff. How has the pandemic and the COVID stuff changed your day to day? Yeah, I mean, part of the biggest one is that we're not physically in the office anymore, which has been mm -hmm. pretty wild. Um, but we've been in that situation for a while now. We're, we're I think pretty good at making comics when we're not in the same room anymore, uh, which felt pretty impossible way back in March. Um, in terms of like scheduling, it, it does change things and it doesn't. Um, we kind of dealt with this a little bit early because we have a lot of Italian artists and Italy was hit really hard by COVID earlier than America was. Um, and so we had a lot of artists in like January and February coming to us and saying, hey, you know, sorry, I'm really not getting as much done as normal, but like my city is like a war zone, basically. Like I can't go outside and it's really scary. And at that point, this was still like considerably more distant for many of us. Right. Um, so we did get like a little bit of practice dealing with it in part. Um, then obviously when COVID hit, bigger in the US things kind of unravel a little bit in terms of like the actual physical production of books and you know people being able to physically manufacture products right. and that has you know that's a much much bigger thing that I can probably get into or even speak confidently to so there was a little bit of an interesting time in terms of okay you know you know what what are really are we pushing against but Generally, in comics, I think if you talk to anybody, their number one lament is like, there's never enough time to do things, you know, the way that we want to do them. Like, oh, you know, it's, it's deadlines, it's deadlines, everything's got to get done super fast and just keep moving. So we actually were given a little bit of a gift of, you know, of course, obviously not that anything about COVID is good in any sense, but, right. you know, just the gift of a little bit of extra time on certain things, uh, which was you know, not a bad thing. Um, for the most part, though, especially now as, you know, we are back to a really consistent production schedule, uh, you know, you have to be understanding that this is a really hard time for a lot of people. Uh, you know, it is a pandemic on a scale that I don't think any of us have ever experienced or probably ever will again. But 
unfortunately, like we are still living in a world where, you know, when a book has to go to print, the book has to go to print. So, but I mean, in some ways that's just like being an editor is you have to figure out how to be a person and be the person asking somebody to work faster, particularly like draw your art faster, you know, make your creative work on more of a corporate schedule is always a little bit of a rough ask. It's a little bit harder even during a pandemic, but you just, I mean, that's, that's the job. So you kind of just figure out ways to, again, communicate and be a person while doing your job. No, I know. Uh, I think a lot of people can relate to having to figure out how to redo their job in a whole different sense and make everything work with, uh, with this, uh, one of the uh, one of the impacts of this that I know Jordan's spoken to uh, is that the big event that was supposed to we were supposed to be pretty deep into at this point, Ten of Swords, uh, not only got pushed back till the fall, uh, but got expanded, uh, which is you know for me very exciting because I do like reading out these X Men comics and I do like swords, uh, so it's kind of a win win for everybody. Uh, but I'm 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 curious what considerations went into, you know, taking this story that was planned out and saying, hey, we got, we're going to make this bigger. We're going to do more with this. What went into that kind of choice? Yeah, so that, I think, was... I don't want to, you know, get too deep into it because I was not necessarily, like, person number one in all those conversations, as you can imagine, as assistant editor. But... Um, I know that the impetus for it was we just want to do something that's going to be really great for readers after they've, you know, had a break from comics or a break from as many comics. You know, just how do we tell a story that's going to be as cool and exciting and new and like really feel incredible and big for people who have stuck with us through this whole like really hard, scary, weird time. Um, and what I'll also say um, is that the whole thing was not like completely nailed down. You know, it's not like the whole, you know, risk of like revealing our timelines too much. Like the whole event was not, or not event, it's not an event. It's a crossover. <laughs> the whole crossover uh, was not, it is. And, you know, I promise that was nothing more than a slip of the tongue. It is a crossover. Um, it was not like the entire thing was written or like even incredibly heavily like drafted at that point. It was still very much when we started looking at expanding it, it was in a pretty like malleable stage. We knew kind of where we were going. We knew broadly what the plan was for it, but it wasn't a matter of we're going to take, you know, 10 pounds of sand and put it in a 20 pound bag and tell you it's 20 pounds of story. It was, you know, we have 10 pounds of sand and here we have another 10 pounds of sand that are equally as cool and good and great. Let's put it all in this 20 pound bag and like, hope everybody's ready for a lot of sand. That's a really bad metaphor, but <laughs> no, I love it. It's very good. We got sand. We got swords. We got large crocodile boys. We've got everything that the X-Men fans really do want. I, yeah, I know the uh, the X Men have not had their their fill of sand recently, but uh, it's coming. No, but I mean, I think the the point remains that we weren't trying to retrofit like oh, like a mini story where we're just gonna like cross over a couple things into oh shoot, we have to fill you know twenty something issues of of book. Like there is there's probably more story than we can even tell in. I think it's 22 issues of crossover and we're just really excited to get that to everybody and have everybody see how cool it is. Look, I know people are excited and I'm excited. So that's all I really care about. Sounds like it's going to be very good, very stabby and just an enjoyable time for everybody. Yeah. Uh, and there definitely is a crocodile. So that yeah, I know I know you can't get into spoilers, uh, but was the crocodile there before the pandemic, or did you guys feel like you just really needed something to spice it up, and you said, let's get a very large crocodile? Um, crocodile was also not retrofitted. Crocodile is a 
I mean, and you know, saying crocodile may not be completely uh, holistically explaining what the situation is with Pog or Pog, but uh, the crocodile, for you know, lack of a better term, is a important part of the story, just like everybody else. It's kind of beautiful that as an editor, you did have to be like, well, okay, he's not really a crocodile, but it's, it's, we're going to go with it. That's a very nice distinction there. It's very yeah, exciting. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of talking about these comics where you're like, okay, well, I don't want to explain too much and ruin anything, but I also don't want to explain too little and sound like a like complete lunatic raving and ranting about a crocodile who's very large that everybody's in love with so everyone everyone did flip when we found out there was a crocodile and i think with good reason i'm curious did y'all know that that was going to pop off the way it did that everyone was going to love the crocodile i think we knew that people would enjoy the crocodile i think the extent to which people really latched onto the crocodile specifically was unexpected um I think, if I'm recalling correctly, there's an email from Pepe Larraz I have somewhere where he was like, didn't expect that that was going to be like how much that, that, you know, the crocodile was going to get all of the love, but like, that's cool to see, I guess. <laughs> and I was like, Pepe, I completely agree. We were not really prepared for the outpouring of crocodile adoration. Who could be prepared for Pog or Pog? Uh now, now I know, I know you, uh, you are tied into that stuff. Just seeing what the reaction has been. Has there been anything else like that that you just you weren't expecting people to latch onto as much as they did and said, okay, whatever. I guess this is what it is now. Hmm. Um, I'm sure there would be if I thought about it for a little longer. Um, I mean, just in general, like the day that we announced the crossover title being Ten of Swords, and people were like, oh, swords? And, I mean, I th and right now it feels very like, oh, well, of course it's ten, ten of Swords. We've been talking about it forever. It was supposed to already have started coming out by now. But, I mean, before that came out, we were kind of sitting there hoping that people would be really into X-Men with swords. Um, you know, to, to the extent that you do anything big in comics, you're always you know, building something and just going, okay, well, I hope other people think this is as cool as we do. Um, and when it felt like the entire X-Men internet was like, oh, it turns out we're very into swords. That was really quite gratifying. I, I, I remember specifically, I got, I got a press release about it on the floor of C2E2. Uh, and a couple of the people who write for the show or write for the website were there with me. And we all huddled around my phone right by a trash can and looked and said, sword. Okay. Okay. Yeah, we can dig that. Took a second. There was one second to, for us to decide, are we really going to be into swords now? And the answer was yes. And, you know, we, we couldn't, we couldn't be happier to hear that. I will say I was not at C2E2. It felt like everyone on Earth was at C2E2. There were so a handful I, of people there. The last lot of convention that will ever exist. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, well, especially with today's cancellation officially of New York this year. It feels that oh. way. But, uh, yeah. like, being back in New York, just kind of, like, refreshing. I was, You know, I was doing a lot of work, of course, but also refreshing Twitter to see, you know, when the actual announcement hit. And, the, like, 10 minutes after that announcement was really very funny to experience from you know a thousand miles away i i had been told and i will not reveal my source that you had some uh image macros or as the kids call them memes ready for the swords announcement that you did unleash on everybody i feel like that's i know exactly who it was that told you that and uh <laughs> i think that's probably ascribing more preparation to me than is fair. I know that I definitely have a tendency to kind of, because I'm like a person on the internet, I like think about the things that I think about all day, sometimes in meme format for sure. Right, um, the way we're all cursed. Exactly. But I rarely am sitting there like, 
building these things far in advance so that I'm, you know, first to the ball as it were. Like, I mean, that's not really my role as editor. Sometimes though, like, you know, my third eye is entirely too open and I'm just like stricken with the idea and I have to put something out there. So I'm, you know, I'm, I'm never trying to be like the top of the X meme news cycle or anything. I think it's maybe a little inappropriate for my job. But sometimes I just there's just something there that needs to be said, and I feel I'm the person to say it. X meme news cycle is a very very bad group of words that got put together that I unfortunately know exactly what you're talking about, uh, and probably caused too much of that myself. But uh, no, that's that's good. I'm I'm thrilled. I know there's supposed to be a lot of exciting stuff coming soon, which would be great. Uh, so without without getting into any territory that will show your guys' hands, is there anything you guys are really, really excited about coming up in like eh, the next six months that you can uh, just say, hey, you're going to want to look out for this? Maybe not in so many words. I can tell you that I read a script, a number one script for a new book yesterday uh, that I've spent the last like 36 hours or whatever essentially just mentally returning to and freaking out because it's so awesome and it's going to be such a good book and I'm so incredibly excited about it. Um, and I think that's within the next six months. So, I mean, there's at least one number one coming that to, is going to blow people away in there. You had to throw that in there. Now you're going to get people real, real hyped up asking where this book is. Which will be good. Good for me in the X-Men news business. This is the content we need to keep our uh, our presses going. And it's the content that's going to, I think, probably end up with Jordan saying, Annalise, why did you say that? But Listen. here we are. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I'll send him a fruit basket or something. He'll be happy. It'll all work out. I'll send him like an REM box set or what have you. I think he may already have all of those. He might. He got real into REM apparently. Uh, but no, uh, speaking of speaking of all of the internet gremlins that do exist, we did ask Twitter for a couple of questions, uh, and they uh, came out in force uh, somehow, uh, which is great. Uh, but people have a lot of questions for X Men editors. I don't think you, I don't know if you ever realized that. Um, it's becoming increasingly clear to me. <laughs> well, we we've just got a handful of them for you here. Uh, the first one comes to us from at strictly worse Chris at Porg, who does ask without getting into spoilers, how early in the docs process was Ten of Swords planned? Hmm, that's hard to say. Um, like planned, I kind of alluded to this previously. Like the planning process is really long. Like to go from we're going to do a crossover to, you know, here's what it's going to be about to here's, you know, what we want to come out of it. And then, you know, all the way to, and then here are all the books, here's the order they're going in and here are all the scripts like that probably may have been like a year or more of planning. So it's been a really long, long road. That's uh, that's fun to hear. Uh, this comes to us from uh, Zach Rayboff, who does ask, which X writer submits scripts with the consistently greatest number of typos and or worse font? You can choose which one of those you want to answer. Nobody comes to mind, um, which is probably a good sign that everybody is pretty much equal. And that's also probably the kind of thing that I shouldn't answer um, to keep everybody happy. It's it's funny when you consistently read people's scripts, which I've been doing with different writers for like, you know, God, like five, almost six years at this point, because sometimes as an intern, you do get to see scripts, which is super cool. Um, you really, really quickly learn what people's specific like things are in terms of like certain writers are just never going to spell this one word correctly or a big one are that you learn whose scripts you should do find and replace um like 
two versus and. They're basically there are specific like find and replaces that you learn to do for certain writers. Uh, nobody nobody's too egregious in terms of font choice. I'll say that. Um, you know, sometimes also people like their brain just short circuits and they forget like how to spell a character name for an entire script, and that's always just fun to read because you're like, okay, well, you are writing this character, and I want to remind you how to spell their name but it's more important honestly that they remember like the characterization of that character or where they're where they are or you know one of the million other important parts about writing a comic and we can fix the spelling in-house if we need to that's good that's good next question comes to us from uh jared adams who says what does the x office have in appearance slash use of x-men characters outside of you know the official x-men title so say when wolverine shows up as a cameo in a black cat in a very good comic that if you guys didn't read you should go check out uh but something like that especially with this new status quo with all these kind of new different rules for the x-men yeah so generally at Marvel, the way it works is if you want to use a character that quote unquote belongs to a different office, um, regardless of how small that appearance is going to be, you ask about it. And then dependent on how small it is, sometimes it's just a matter of like, oh, they're going to be in the background of this panel or like a bit part. Like maybe you might just say like, yeah, that's fine, whatever. Broadly, because people want to make sure that everything makes sense across the line they'll ask to read the script or to see the book once it's done and just give it a last once over as an editor in a specific office you have much you have a much much better sense of what works for your line than even another editor in another office because everyone's going a million miles out an hour all the time so they may not understand like the exact nuance of how a Krakoan gate works. And if they, you know, throw it into the back of a, a panel somewhere and have, you know, something weird going on with it, you're going to catch that, you know, 15 times over before an editor from another office. So usually you'll read it at the script stage. You, you sort of sign off on it in concept. You read it at the script stage and then ideally though not always see the book before it actually goes to print with your character in it that's i think that's something that a lot of people have questions on how that works so that's interesting uh i, I also want to say real quick that's in an ideal world <laughs> that's not necessarily always how it works so like it's you never want to throw anybody under any bus whether it's yourself or another editor um Sometimes something just gets missed. Sometimes, you know, all involved parties have a piece of old continuity in their head or something's been established, you know, on a side thing somewhere else and you don't reflect it. And then understandably fans are like, hey, what's going on? Is anybody, you know, awake at the wheel over there? But uh, we do try our best. I'll say that. That's a that's good. Uh, Nola Fowl asks... Can you speak to the odds of Brian Braddock crying? It's very important to me that he cries. And they do add a note that this is not directly in relationship to Ten of Swords, just like in general. Uh, what are the odds that Brian Braddock is crying at any given moment? At any given moment, I think it's like a 70-30, maybe. Right. Um, you know, he's been seen semi-recently wandering around, you know, in the rain trying to figure out you know what's going on with the the sword and everything and rain tears harry mason or reboot there right exactly um yeah brian is brian is such a fun character uh and i think he's one of those characters where it's just enjoyable for some reason to i mean this is every character i guess you you like you enjoy watching them cry because you know that I mean, somebody's doing something with them. Like that's sort of the curse of the X-Men fan, I think, is there's so many amazing characters. And even when like your favorite or your favorites are being, you know, tortured or something horrible is happening to them, you're like, well, at least they're on panel. You know, it's, it's important. Got something that going they on. Exist. 
that yeah, they've exactly. got something going on. I'm I'm unfortunately cursed. Uh, staring at two pictures right now, one of Glob Herman, who constantly has things going on, which is great, and one of poor Maggot, who at least has shown up and is enjoying island life. And sometimes that's all you can ask for. And I think we've done our best to, uh, you know, get a couple of fan favorites here and there, make sure that, you know, folks have at least seen what's going on or where their favorite character is on Krakoa. Look, as long as my boy can enjoy a cold drink at the Green Lagoon, I'm going to be happy. Uh, we got uh, just uh, just a couple more questions. Charlie Etheridge Nunn does ask, which sword is the best? Not in comics, just in general. That is a good question. My instinct would be to answer with a comics sword, um, because I spend all my time thinking about comics. Right, right. And I'm really blanking on the existence of real swords um <laughs> I'm, I'm certain they're out there i'm certain there are famous ones that exist but my what brain is real just name in. swords do people like in general know because i honestly can't tell you any yeah that's kind of where i'm at unfortunately um <laughs> any guess, of the real like, ones i know are legends that have been adapted to comics and now like hang in wolverine's bedroom or whatever sure yeah i mean i'm just Overall, a huge fan of uh, Betsy Braddock as Captain Britain and everything going on with her and Excalibur. And I love like the sword that she makes psychically. I think it is so cool. Um, and every time we get a page of her like fighting anybody, you know, we, every time we see that art come in in inks in colors, I'm just like, man. This is so cool. This looks great. So I, 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 that's my answer. But again, it's it is a comic sword because I can't think of it's any. It's not others. even a real sword. Is the thing? It's a made up laser mind sword, which is an interesting choice. Is it the same sword every time, or is it a unique sword every time? These are the um, uh, quandaries yeah, that knows. I want to know the answer from Ten of Swords. Really, uh, I can't confirm or deny whether or not you're going to get an answer on that one. <laughs> that's fair. Uh, Danielle thirteen twelve asks, "Who would Emma Frost pick in Mortal Kombat?" Uh, in the game or in like actual like combat to the death? They spelled combat with a K, so I can only assume it is the video game. I have never played, so I'm not going to be uh, a good person to answer this question. I, I assumed that they knew more about you than I did, and thought you were like a big Mortal Kombat fan. So that that question just right into the toilet there. Yeah, to the chagrin of everybody in, in <laughs> comics, I don't play video games. <laughs> I also don't know anything about wrestling, which makes me, again, woefully on the outside of all conversations in comics. Listen, I can relate to that one. My, my friends have made it so that I have to have a working knowledge of what's happening in wrestling, even if I do not watch it. It's just osmosis at this point. Uh, but we have one question that's left, and it is something that I do know you know about. Uh, this comes from at Mojo's work. Who's your Stanley Cup pick? So I actually have been a very bad hockey fan this season because my team, the Detroit Red Wings, are, uh, well, I don't know, I should say were, like hot garbage um, and have been out of Stanley Cup contention for a million years at this point. Um I don't know. I like the Flyers, but I don't know how much of that is just like residual gritty energy. So <laughs> it's very possible. I, I really don't have much of a rooting interest, unfortunately. Like, you know, as a Detroit fan, I don't want Chicago to win or whatever, sure. but that's, that's pretty much all I got. I'm just, I'm just kind of watching with interest to make sure that, Nobody I care about, you know, infects the entire bubble or whatever. That's important. Uh, the correct answer, by the way, is the Columbus Blue Jackets, who oh, currently... Oh, that can't be true. <laughs> they are currently in their intermission between periods of their third overtime against the Tampa Bay Lightning as we record this. Jeez. A game that started yeah. at 4 o'clock this afternoon. Somebody is going to need to give them all a huge nap and a Gatorade. But yeah, I mean, I can't support an Ohio team either. So unfortunately see, Columbus see, is out. See, as, as an Ohio boy, that's, that's a hard one to, uh, 
that's a hard pill to swallow, but I can understand it. Yeah, a lot of anti-Ohio sentiment on my side. <laughs> I'm going to guess. I'm going to guess like if I put my hand up and pointed, you could it, it would kind of look like the state that you're from. Just just throwing exactly. that out there. Yeah, yep. that makes sense. Mm, whole lot of whole lot of that making sense. Oh, well, I'll, I guess I'll just have to uh, enjoy the football wins uh, that aren't going to happen. Hey, Michigan's not going to lose this year. That's nice. That's a that's an upside. <laughs> right. <laughs> I, I get that. I, I also heard about the Big Ten uh, cancellations, <laughs> though I'm not a football fan, so it, that means little to nothing to me. Thank God. Uh, for all, all the Michigan fans out there, this doesn't count. Uh, but that's all the uh, that's all the questions we have uh, for you. Annalise, thank you so much for being on. It was a great time. Uh, if people are uh, excited about your whole brand of things, is there anywhere they you uh, want them to find you at? Or would you rather no one ever find you? Because those are both valid options uh the way that i prefer people find me on the internet is exclusively via twitter at annalise bissa uh that's my only public facing uh social media and all of that so yeah at annalise bissa um occasionally i do get into the x meme game but generally i mostly just hype up the books that I'm working on and the awesome creators that I work with and uh, occasionally tweet about uh, internship openings when we have internships. So if you are uh, trying to intern at Marvel comics, I may be a good follow quality follow there. Uh, yeah, guys go, go ahead and do that. If that sounds up your alley, uh, if it doesn't, uh, then, I mean, we're always at Xavier files, so you can go over there. Xavierfiles.com has all the latest and greatest news and interviews and oh, write-ups about the books that Annalise is, uh, editing, which I think they're great. I think the books are great. I think the write-ups are great too, in a different sort of way. Uh, but we got all that going on over there. Uh, and I mean, I guess that's all for this week. Uh, Next week, uh, we are going to be doing you a public service and talking all about the new mutants in Demon Bear so that you do not have to risk your health to go to the movie theaters during a dang pandemic. Uh, so look forward to that. Uh, Annalise, one more time, thank you so much for being on. It was an absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me on. And until then, guys, this has been Battle of the Atom. We hope you survived the experience. Yeah!